Hey, this is Noah Fritchie, and I'm the lead pastor of Real Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today, and I hope this can inspire you and build your faith. Enjoy the message. Um, And if you've been here over the last several weeks, uh, you know that uh, we've talked basically about how you cannot live a life without hope. Like, you cannot live without hope. Hope. It's, it, 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 it's basically impossible. Hope is this re, basically required for living. And we've talked for the last three weeks about how uh, without hope, many of us are stuck. We don't have any motivation. We really don't go anywhere in life. Like we said that if you suffer with, uh, you can't get out of bed in the morning syn- uh, <laughs> syndrome there, then you, you probably are living a life without hope. And so we've talked about that for the last several weeks about how basically hope is essential. (laughs) When everything is being essential and non-essential in these days, we said that hope is an essential part of living. And we've really talked about how hope is the thing that lifts us up. Not only does it lift us up, but it gives us a picture of the future of what God can do in our life. And so hope is that essential ingredient in our life. And so today, um, I really just wanted to start uh, with something. I'm just going to write this question on the whiteboard, and I just want you to answer it as honest as you can. The question that we're really going to be answering today is this. It's, what is your expectation level? What is your expectation level? And really what I want to do, and why I brought the right whiteboard out with me this morning, is I want you to kind of rate yourself from 1 to 10. Where do you fall on this category? We'll put 5 on here too. Where do you fall from 1 to 10? What's your expectation level? Where are you at on this category? I want to take this question, and really what I want to do today is I just want to give it to you, um, and, and just I want you to rate your life with it. Like, look at all, I want you to look across all the different spectrums of your life and tell me where are you at. So, so where are you at in your job? What's your expectation level with your job? Is it, is it close to one, close to none? Is it close to 10? Where, where are you at uh, thinking about your future? Where are you at? Uh, what's your expectation level for your family? What's your expectation level for your kids? What's your expectation level for your relationships? What's your expectation level? Where do you fall on this scale? I can tell you that if you're somewhere up close to a 10, you're probably just one of these guys that's just full of expectancy. Like you are just, you you are excited about what God is doing in your life. That's you if you're a 10. You're excited about what God is going to do. You're looking forward to the future. Now, some of us, we, we, we feel like we're the opposite of that. We're not a 10. Some of us, we feel like we're, we're, just, a, we're just a one. Like, like, like it's, just, it's just not clicking. Like, like, some of the things in our life, like, when we look at our family situation, we just think that, well, this is just as good as it gets. This is it. It's not getting, it, 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 it's not getting any better. That things are just falling apart. Maybe if, if you're a one, things are probably likely falling apart. You're maybe one of the, these persons that are like, well, my kids don't talk to me anymore, or I have this, I have this big mountain of debt. And, and if you're out of one, if your expectation level is out of one, you are probably terrified of the future. You probably don't even want to think about what is to come. 
Now, I feel like all of us, probably many of us, we fall in this category of this right, right in between. If you're, if you're around a five, you're probably saying to yourself, you probably say phrases like this, like, I think this is just as good as life gets. Like, my life is good. It's all right. It's not getting worse, but it's also not really getting any better. And some of us, I feel like so many of us, we, we just fall in this. And even with our, like, a, a classic example would be with a relationship. Like, my relationship with my wife is, is good. It's all right. It, it, it is, it, it's as good. You feel like that if you're a five, you feel like it's just like as good as it gets. And like, you're, you're not getting divorced, but you, you don't see that it's going to get any better. What's your expectation level on your life? If you would just be honest with yourself for just a moment, and just write that number down if you're taking notes. Write that number. What, where, what is your expectation level? Where do you fall on that scale? You see, when you talk about hope, and when you study the biblical idea of hope, it centers around the idea of expectation. And so today we're going to talk about your expectation. And, and really, I, I, I bring this up right at the beginning because what I want to do with you today is I just want you to have this idea, this expectation level idea in the back of your mind as we go through the rest of this message. And so have this in the back of your mind, and we're going to look at the book of Acts. Specifically, we're going to look in Acts chapter 12 if you've got your Bibles. And really what we're going to see in Acts chapter 12 is we're going to see the early church that's dealing with a really hopeless situation. So this is the church, the, the beginning of the church as we know it. And they are starting with this very hopeless situation. And really their expectation levels are continuing to lower. Their expectation levels are actually quite low. So if you've got your Bibles, you can look Acts chapter 12 if you're with me today. We've got it right on the screen. Let's look at what Acts chapter 12 says. It says, It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. So Herod is after the early church. We get all this persecution that he is trying not to let this Christian movement be a movement, essentially. And, and it says, when he saw that this, uh, that this met with the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. And so all of a sudden, Peter, this great man of faith, is, is now, this happened during the Festival of Unleavened Bread. We see that after arresting him, he put him in prison handing him over to be guarded by four squads of soldiers each. I want to stop right here and look at those four squads of soldiers because if you don't know this, four squads of soldiers surrounding one guy was not normal. That's not normally how they put prisoners in, in, in prison. Herod wants to make sure that this guy is not going to escape. So Peter has escaped before. And Herod is making sure that that's not happening again. He, so he puts four guys around him. He's like, you're not getting anywhere. And so he hands him over to be guarded by those four squads of soldiers. And Herod intended to bring him out for the public, uh, for the public trial after Passover. So here's what Herod was going to do with Peter. He was, he was waiting to bring him out. And really he wanted to kill him because he thought that it would please the Jewish people. And so he thought that he could get some bonus points if he killed someone on the Christian movement. And so that's what he was going to do. He's, he was, he's waiting to this festival uh, to essentially kill Peter. And so what Herod wants to do, along with 
the Jewish, uh, the whole, the whole Jewish community is they want to kill the whole Christian movement. They want to kill the church before it even gets going. And so we're we're at the foundation of the Christian church, and there's already opposition and hopelessness and a really low expectation level. To even set the stage a little bit more about what's happening here, I want you to know that just a, just a, a, a few, a, probably a few weeks before, here, here, or here, here's what's happening a few months before, is that this church, the, the whole Christian church, this movement has exploded. After Jesus left, we, we have this day called Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit descends on all of God's people. And, and we, see, we see in that day alone, there's 3,000 people, the Bible records, that come to Jesus. And so it's this explosion of this Christian movement. This happens, and this great stuff happens. Not only that, but miracles begin to happen. Signs and wonders follow them, the Bible says. And, and we, see that, we see that the disciples, the apostles now, they, they're going out, they're teaching about Jesus, and they go out and they actually heal this beggar who's sitting on the side of the road. And, and, and the famous lines in the Bible that say, silver and gold I have none, but in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And so they they heal, they're, they're healing people, miracles are happening, all of this great stuff is happening. There's a guy, right before this chapter, there's a guy named Stephen that the Bible talks about. Stephen is just this like rising star in the church. Stephen is a guy that is excited about church. He, 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 is, he is outreaching people, and he is just this rising star. He's filled with optimism and spiritual gifts, and he is just a superstar for the church, and before he even really gets started with his ministry, and before he does a lot in his ministry, the Jews capture him, stone him, and put him to death. But that didn't just happen to Stephen. It, what, what, what started, what the church that started so hopeful and exciting with all these signs and wonders and these miracles happening and the Holy Spirit descending and 3,000 people coming to Jesus, now we see that Stephen's dead we read at the beginning of this that the, James, the brother of John, the guy who wrote the Gospel of John and the book of Revelation in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, his brother is killed. And now Herod has Peter. And he's locked up, and there's four guys surrounding him. Herod is making sure that Peter is not going anywhere. And so I set this story up to show you that it looks like the pillars of the church, as we know it, they're now imprisoned or dead. And it looks really like, it looks like the Jesus movement that has just gotten started has been really put down. And so this is where the church finds itself. And so the first thought that I really want to share with you this morning, if you're taking notes, is this, is that life has a way of lowering your expectations. Life just has a way of lowering your expectations. I don't know if you found that out yet. You have probably found that out. <laughs> I have found that out, that life has a way of lowering your expectations. I don't know if you noticed, but it just seems like the longer that we live, the less expectation we have. I don't know if it's just natural, just because we get older, we feel like we have less time, or we didn't do enough when we were younger, whatever. We just feel like we, our expectation levels are low. On the opposite end of that, I think it's interesting how excited and, uh, and expecting kids are compared to that. I don't know if you've ever noticed uh, that kids start life with this natural optimism. 
Like everything is on the up and up. Like, like they're hoping for new things. They're hoping for greater things. They're expecting great things. They're expecting that life is going to work out for them. They're expecting to grow up and become an astronaut. Like that's, that's, that's what, they, they have this high expectation level. And I don't know if you were like me, I'm sure you were. Uh, probably during Christmas or uh, even for your birthday, you, how many of you wrote out like a list of what you wanted? Like, you want, this is what you want for your birthday. This is what you want for Christmas. Come on, if you wrote a list of Santa Claus, don't be lying to me. Uh, I know, I know. Yeah, we all, that, that's what we did. We had this expectation that that, 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 that that person, that thing, whatever, was going to come through. And so, I, I mean, I did that. I remember as a kid writing a list for my birthday. I remember one time in particular uh, where I wrote a list, and I would leave it just in this uh, the obvious places. <laughs> I just I wouldn't give it to anyone, but just leave it in a very obvious place. Anybody ever do this before? Like like you're just hoping someone in the universe is going to pick this up. <laughs> like like someone is going to have to see this list, and, and it just basically the list was just basically was like, hello, person reading this. Here is what I want for my birthday. <laughs> and, and, and here's everything that I want. And, and it's like, I didn't know who was going to find it, but I was hoping someone would find it. And honestly, I was hoping my sister probably wouldn't find it because I knew she'd probably tear it to shreds. So uh, anyway, I'm just kidding, Elizabeth. But uh, I, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. You, you haven't met Elizabeth yet. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm just kidding. She's good. She's good. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, that, that's just, that's the expectation level you you had as a kid. You had this expectation level that, that I, I, I had an expectation level that I was going to get everything that I wrote on that list. That's what I wanted. That was my expectation level. It was, it was really, really high. And so I just love that youthful optimism, that expectancy, that everything is just going to work out, that things, that things are going to go the way that I thought they would go. And many of us, we've had that. We, we've had things are going the way I thought they would go. But then as you get a little older and you get married like me. <laughs> uh, you, 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 I, I just kidding. Uh, uh, <laughs> Emily's not usually in service with me, so I got to pick on her a little bit. Uh, <laughs> she's usually serving your kids with youthful optimism, all right? But uh, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, you, you know, you know this. You know that as you get a, as you as you get a little older, you experience some disappointment, and you find out that not everything works out how you thought it would. You find out that maybe that, that relationship, that marriage, that, that business dream, that, that the, the, the kids that you thought you were going to raise as perfect little angels, they, it didn't turn out the way that you thought it would go. You thought that life would be different. And life just has its way of lowering your expectations. And maybe, maybe you had high hopes, but over time, your expectation level dropped. And you just, you started, maybe, maybe you started at like an 8, 9, and 10. But it just seems like your expectation level is now just, just down here somewhere. And your expectation level has dropped. I love what uh, Ray Johnston says. He says this, he says, Human beings have an infinite ca- capacity to adjust downward. Human beings have an infinite capacity to adjust downward. 
I know we can all feel this. I mean, I feel, I, I know that we have to naturally just feel this in our life to where it's so easy to be up here at an eight or nine and all of a sudden just an, it, sometimes it's just within an hour, within a minute. It might be within a, a, a set of days, your expectation level just plummets and you feel like you just continue to go downward. You have this, you have this infinite capacity to just go down, and it's so much harder to climb it. It's so much harder to get back up to where you were, and that's just really the natural part of life, and I think that that just, that just reflects so many of our stories where we've just been let down. Our, our expectation level has just gone down, and, and not only does it reflect our stories, but I, I quite honestly, I think it reflects the story of our country and our world. I mean, just think about this. Think about, um, I, have you ever watched old TV shows before? You know what I'm talking about? Just some old classic TV shows, probably some black and white TV shows. I'm sure you have. You, you notice that in, in those TV shows, not only is everything, everything literally in black and white, but it seems like also the storyline that goes along with it is pretty black and white. Here, get, get, get what I'm saying. That in older TV shows, you watch them, and most of the time, families are good. Husbands, wives, they love each other, they're faithful to each other, and they, they don't have a lot of problems. You know, mo- most of the time, the problem is just really silly, it gets resolved, and they live on happily ever after. That's what a lot of older TV shows, that's how they work. But then we find out that as as TV grows, as life changes, as the country changes, as the world changes, we see a lot of different things that start to happen. As life in America changes, we see that uh, we go through these different events to where we find out that our leaders are lying to us, or maybe the people that we thought we trusted, they let us down. Maybe we thought that guy was a good person, but he's not. We thought that they, this, this person had our best interest in mind, but but they really didn't. Essentially, we find out all this dirt on people. And naturally, and I, we're right in the middle of this in America right now, we find out it's like it is, <laughs> it is the most publicized thing to find dirt on people. That's, just, that's, that's what makes a good news story. That's really what happened, that's really what happened in America and our culture. And there's, there's this, uh, there's <laughs> it, it seems like now, especially nowadays, it, it seems like there is just like no good person in our culture. Like, there's not one good person. It just seems like just about anyone that you could think up or dream up, you, you, could, you could Google them, and you, and, and you would say, well, I think so-and-so's a good person, and you'd probably find out some dirt on them. Well, did you know that, that, that they're a racist? Did you know that they, uh, that, that they said something mean to someone 25 years ago, and, and, we, br- and we dug it back up? Did you know that uh, they, they, they said this one time on Twitter, <laughs> whatever it is, it's just the, the natural kind of how the culture has shifted to, to look at the dirtiest parts of people. And it just seems like everyone has dirt on everyone. I'm sure you could probably do some Google Internet history on me and see that I have a couple speeding tickets, and you'll, you'll, find, you'll find the dirt on me. But everyone, everyone, you can probably find dirt about just on, about with anyone. And the question really <laughs> becomes, is, is there anyone really pure? Is there anyone that actually, I, I, I was actually thinking about this, is there anyone that's actually a good guy? I thought, you know, I, I know someone who's a good guy. Mr. Rogers. 
He seems like, <laughs> no, I, I'm just kidding. Of course, Jesus. Jesus is the good guy. He's the one, naturally pure. Mr. Rogers, close second. No, <laughs> uh, whatever. But, but yeah, it, it just seems like we, we, we see that, that the culture is, is always trying to find this dirt on people, and everyone complains about everyone, and, and we, we see that it's just, it's just a natural thing that we do. But I can tell you that it didn't used to be that way. We, we used to honestly think that there was just good guys and bad guys. That's how a lot of TV shows were set up, that there was just the good. You were cheering for the good team, and then there was the obvious bad team. And the question becomes, well, well what in the world happened? Well, here's what happened, and here's really the honest answer to this question, is that we realized that that was just a facade. We realized that that was just a mask, that was just a covering that people were wearing. It was, it was something that, that really wasn't real. We found out that the normal American family actually has problems, <laughs> that normal people actually go through some dirt, that we found out that there was some true abuse in situations. There was some really real racism involved with a lot of it. There's a lot of junk that was happening, and we, we just decided not to acknowledge it publicly. We just tried to hide it, but it was actually going on. But nowadays, in TV shows, stories, movies, we get a lot of what's called the anti-hero. You know what I'm talking about? You, you have this hero that is, looks good, but he also has some flaws with him. He's not totally good. He, he's a hero with some flaws. And so now, in most of the movies, the good guy isn't completely good, and honestly, the bad guys aren't completely bad. And in a lot of movies, we see the soft heart of the bad guy too, and we see that they might actually do some good things. And so instead of things being in black and white, here's what, we have a mixture of everything. And, I, I, and we're trying to find, really, we're, we're left to decide as human beings, where is the moral line? Where do we draw the line? Where is it at? Think about it. Today, we have shows like, uh, with titles like, This Is Us. Think about that line, just this is us. That's the title of the show. Just basically think about that. Basically, that show is just saying, like, this is it. This is it. This is, this, is, this, is where, this is where we're at. We're not getting any better. This is us. And that's kind of, I feel like that's kind of where we are as a country, that we, we've basically settled for wherever we are on this, like, this is it. This is where I'm going to be. This is where I'm going to live the rest of my life. And that's because... Life has its way of knocking those expectations down. Life has its way of taking those dreams and trying to kill them. I tell you all that story, I promise it's going to make sense in just this one statement. I tell you that whole story because that's where the church was. Things started awesome. The church started great. Miracles were happening, 3,000 saved. Stephen was a great evangelist. We had all these great things that was happening in the first 12 chapters of Acts, and uh, we, we, see all this, we see all this great stuff. They had all these high expectations. They, they thought, the, the, the church thought that God was going to move and that he was going to do something great, but then we see bad stuff starting to happen, just like the story that we read. Bad stuff starts happening, and so if we look back at this story, we see, what do they do? Well, I think this is a great thing that the church does. The church in Acts chapter 12, verse 5, it says, so Peter's still in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for God, to God. The church is, is praying. And to me, it's just like, way to go, church. Like, like, awesome. 
It's what the church needs to be doing. They're all gathered up praying, which, by the way, it's what we're doing. We're right in the middle of this 21 days of prayer. We're gathered. We're praying. We're praying for God to move, not just in our country, but in our church, in our community, as our kids go back to school. We're praying for God to move. So in the middle of a pandemic, we're in 21 days of prayer. The church is earnestly praying. If you haven't joined us, I'd encourage you to join us. There, there's books outside. You can catch up. You can start late, whatever you want to do. If you want a book, text the word HOPE to the number at the bottom of the screen. We'll send you a book in the mail. You can get a digital copy as well on our website. But here's the church. They're earnestly praying. It's like, way to go, church. That's awesome. That's what you're supposed to be doing. They're gathered up. They're praying. They're seeking God. And they're believing that, that God is going to act. And so here we see what happens. And as you read through this story, you find out, and I'm, I'm skipping this part of the story because it's so many scriptures, but let me just summarize it for you. As you read through the rest of this chapter, you find out that there's an angel that actually breaks into the prison and gets Peter out. And uh, Peter gets out, and uh, Peter actually thinks this is all a dream because of, of what's happening. But the angel brings Peter out, the chains fall off, the doors swing wide open, and Peter walks out, and when Peter finally realizes it was not a dream, here's what happens. It's, the Bible says when this had dawned on him that it wasn't really a dream, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where people had gathered and were praying. And so Peter is going to the house, and he is excited because he, he knows that they're praying for him. So, he, so he's on his way there. And so here is the church. They're doing what, they're, what they do best. They're praying and they're filled with faith. And Peter knocks on the door, the outer entrance, uh, out of the, out of the outer entrance, and a servant comes out. And this servant actually, the, when you do a little bit of research on this, you find out that a lot of scholars believe that this was just like a little teenage girl. <laughs> and so this teenage girl answers the door. And she, she, she comes to answer the door, and she recognizes that, that it's Peter. She recognizes Peter's voice. And so she was so overjoyed, she ran back to the people inside uh, without opening the door, basically. I mean, can you just imagine, like, slamming, like, here's Peter. She slams the door in his face, and, and she goes, and she's running and telling the other people, Peter's here, basically. Like, Peter is at the door. And so how do you think this church, this faith-filled, praying, awesome church response. I mean, literally, the thing that been, they've been praying for, the thing that they've been earnestly praying for is at the front door. How do you think the church responds? How did they respond? Let me show you how they respond. Here's how they respond. <laughs> you watched The Office before? <laughs> Have you lost your mind? Because <laughs> I'll help you find it. <laughs> that, that, but that's basically what they say. They say, you're out of your mind. They tell the girl who's just saw Peter, the answer to their prayer is at the door. And they tell this girl, you're out of your mind. <laughs> Here's this church. You're out of your mind, they told her. And when, when she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. <laughs> they didn't even go check. The angel. <laughs> The answer is at the door. And they don't, even, they, they don't even believe it. The very thing that they're praying for. Listen, they're not gathered like our modern day churches having a potluck, everybody. That's not, that's not what they're doing. They are there praying for Peter. And it's happened. And they don't 
believe it. Wow. Would you think about that for a minute? Would you think about for a second that maybe your, the answer to your prayer is at the door? <laughs> and it's there. You just got to open it. You just got to believe it. The very thing that you're praying for is right in front of you. And yet, you discard it. Uh, it must be for someone else. It must be, it must just be the angel. So that's where the church is. The very thing that they're praying for is at the door. What is their expectation level? <laughs> I mean, let's think about this for a minute. They're sitting in this house praying, Oh God, you have to release Peter. Oh God, we pray that he's going to get out of prison. Oh God, release Peter. But do they really believe that God is going to move? Do they really trust that God is going to act? And I just, I just, I just think that so many times. I think, I think there's so many Christians in this world that they want to, they pray and they want, they want to say the right things, and and they're desperate, they're desperate to do the right things. Yet they don't even the thing, the very thing that they're praying for. They don't even have the expectation level that God is even going to act. And I think that's where we, I, I, I truly, I think that's where we find the modern day church. Uh, there's a lot of Christians out there that think they're Christians, and, but their expectation level is one. They don't even expect God to act. And we, we see it here in this story. And so they tell this girl, they say, well, basically you're being unreasonable. <laughs> you're, 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 you're not even reasoning with us and can I tell you that that's what the world that's that's what people are going to try to tell you people are going to look at your situation and say it's unreasonable for God to act in your marriage it's unreasonable that so-and-so can be healed it's unreasonable to think that your finances could change it's unreasonable to think that 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 child that's been lost for so long could come back home it's unreasonable to, to, to think any of those things. It's unreasonable to think that anything in your life could be different. And that's so many times, that's what we tell ourselves. And that's the culture that we live in, that we don't expect anything too big. We, we, we just have learned not to set our expectation level up high. We just lower our expectation level so that we just don't get disappointed. We're just afraid of being disappointed. And so let me ask you a question. Who's really being unreasonable in this story? Who's really being unreasonable in your life? What, I, I, who is being unreasonable in our church? Meaning that you're just, you're, not reason, you're just not thinking. Because I don't know about you, and I don't know whether you realize this or not. I don't know whether you realize it watching online or sitting in church this morning. But we are a group of people who believe that God spoke and the universe came into existence. That's a miracle, everybody. That's the God that we believe in. We believe in a God who formed the mountains with his hands. We believe in a God, at least we say we do. At least it's easy for us to say that we do. We believe in a God who parted the Red Sea in the Old Testament. We believe in a God who raised the lame to walk. Jesus, who opened the blind eyes, who, who opened deaf ears. We believe in a God who raised people back to life. That's the God that we believe in, everyone. Yet, we think that he can't move in our little situation. We think that he can set the stars into motion, but the financial debt that we're in is too big for him to take care of. 
Where's your, what's your expectation level? Let me just tell you this, and if you're taking notes, here's, here's the next thing. It's unreasonable not to expect God to intervene. Some of you need to hear that this morning. It's unreasonable not to expect God to intervene. Can I tell you, if you don't believe that God could act, then why do you believe in him at all? <laughs> if you don't think that he could move, then why do you even believe? There's no point of believing if he can't, if he can't move. If you believe that God created everything that you can see, then why not believe that he could work in your situation? Can I tell you, you're not being unreasonable to think that. In fact, I want to give you this quote really quick from Tim Keller. Love it. It says this. It says, we modern people, we think of miracles as the suspension of the natural order. But Jesus meant, <laughs> meant them to be the restoration of the natural order. You know that miracles are supposed to be the natural order. Miracles are what we are supposed to live by. We're supposed to live, we, we live with a God who, that, that's, that is his natural order of working. Yet, we, 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 we don't think of it like that. I just want to challenge you today, and ex especially where we are as a church. Listen, church, we're, I, I truly do believe we're, we're getting ready to step into a new season of ministry. We're, get, we're, we're getting ready to go into this brand new season of ministry, especially with this series that we've got coming up next week. We have the opportunity to reach a whole lot of lost people. We're ready. We're ready to move into this next ministry season. And as I just think of what the future holds for us at, at, at this church, I, I, and for what God wants to accomplish in us, I just know that we can't do it on our own. We need a God like this. We need a miracle-working God that not only can work in lives of people here, but wow, I'm praying that God will work on lives of people through that video screen. We need a God that can work miracles like that. That's what I'm believing for. We're not just, can I just stop right here and just say that we're not just trying to build a big church. Like, that's not, that's not the goal. I think whenever we talk about big ambition goals like that, a lot of people get really confused and they, well, it's just all about the numbers. It's just all about the numbers, whatever. Listen, a big church is not a big deal, but a church that helps the hurting, that reaches the people, that's a big deal. So I'm not saying that I, I'm not saying that I don't want a big church. I'm saying that it's, ha it's going to happen naturally. That when our church gets out of its walls, our church will grow because our church will be, our church is reaching the lost. Our church is helping the hurting. Our church is helping the broken. Listen, our goal is not to, not to build a big church. Our goal is this. It's like, think about this, everybody. What if our church could break the cycle of poverty here in Murfreesboro and in this region? What if our church could help some people? What if our church could do something about hurting people? Think about this. What if our church could just be a river of life that would flow in the middle of this region? That's what I see. That's, <laughs> that, that's my belief. I believe that this church is going to be a place where the weary come in. They lay their burdens down. The thirsty, they come in to drink. The prisoners come into this room and can be set free. That's the church that I believe in. That's where I think that, but in order for us to go anywhere, our expectation level has to be higher. We have to believe in that. What if we could be that kind of church? Listen, I'm not just collecting a, a room full of as many people as I can, 
But here's what we're doing. As a church, I believe that we're going to send as many people out into the kingdom of darkness, as many people as we can. Listen, my hope and prayer for you is that you wouldn't just come into this room and sit and listen to me. Because I'm telling you that if you, <laughs> over time, you are going to get tired of me, everybody. And I like me a whole lot. But I know that you are going to get tired of me. It, 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 it's just going to happen. But God has an extreme purpose for your life. He has something that he has set you apart. He's called you to do. He has a purpose for you to go out and do something for him. And so that's what we're doing as a church. I believe that our church is, going, is mobilizing people. I, I hope that we're mobilizing an army of people to go outside of this church. I want as many people as we can to make a dent in the kingdom of darkness, everybody. That's the goal of the church. So we're mobilizing people. In fact, Jesus says that he's going to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Guess who has gates in that scripture? Hell has gates. Why does hell have gates? Because we're attacking hell, everybody. Hell's not attacking us. We're going out and we are attacking the kingdom of darkness. And so we got to realize who's keeping who out because really quick, as a church, and I think this is where we are in America, and I think this is where we are in the, in the, in the virus situation and whatnot, we're realizing that so many churches have just built their walls around their church. <laughs> they, they, just, the, 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 they think the kingdom of hell is attacking, throwing darts at their, fiery darts at their church. We need to be doing the opposite. We need to be going out and throwing some fiery darts at, at, some, at, at hell. We need, to be go out, we need to be going out, saving people, being, uh, stepping out, hurting the broken. I, I, just, I just see this church that is the life and light of this region. I mean, that's, that's what I see. And we're, I, I just see a church that just says, we're here with Jesus. <laughs> I mean, come on. Jesus, the only one who can really change you. We've got something that no other business, no other organization has. We have the only thing that can save you, the only thing that can heal you, the only thing that can set you free, the only thing that can work a miracle in your life. But in order for us to do that, church, we have to have a high expectation level. We say, well, no, that's awesome, and it's 10 o'clock, I'm ready to go home. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's cool, but... I'm struggling right now. I'm struggling. Well, let, well, let me help you really quick. I'm going to share one last verse. And uh, I'll sh let, me, let me share this verse with you. Oh, I'm sorry. I totally, I talked over a point. Therefore, we expect a miracle, everybody. <laughs> you should expect a miracle. Listen, I want you to look at this. I want you to, because uh, I skipped over this verse too. I'm sorry. I got a little ahead of myself. Psalm 77, 14 says, you are the God who performs miracles. Can I tell you that our God, it's in his job description that we, that he performs miracles. That, that, that is who he is. That is the God that we serve. So you say, Noah, I'm struggling right now. Let me show you this verse, everybody. If you're struggling, look at this. Romans 4, 18 says, against all hope. Talking about Abraham. Abraham's nickname is literally the father of, of faith. So the father of faith is against all hope. Abraham in hope believed and so, beco so become the father of many nations just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. And so we see Abraham, the father of faith. But his journey, Abraham's journey was not easy. In fact, if you look at this, I love looking in this verse, 
if you look at this verse in a different translation, you see that it says, after the wreck of many hopes. I just wonder if that's where some of us are at. We feel like it's just a wreck. We're, we're, we're just a wreck of many hopes. Your hopes are wrecked. Maybe you're in this room, or maybe you're watching online with us today, and you just say, well, Noah, I just feel my finances are a wreck. My marriage is a wreck. The relationships that I have, they're a wreck. I feel like the job that I have, it's just totaled, everybody. Like, there's, there's no coming back. But I love with how this verse continues, and it says, After the wreck of many hopes, Abraham hoped again. He did it again. Even though his hopes were destroyed, even though he was at a, a 10 expectation level and dropped to a 1, he hoped again. And that's my call for you this morning. I just want to ask you where you are. Would you just dare to dream again? Would you dare to hope again? Would you dare to dream big to see what an infinite God could do in your life? 